This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr., writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse. Today we're going to talk a little bit about food, a little bit about restaurants, and a little bit about food trucks. We're going to be joined by J.R. Schoenfeld, the owner of Chives Restaurant in Bailey's Harbor, as well as Behringer's in Fish Creek, and kind of an inventive new approach to kind of a food truck court and a lot of the different changes that have come to restaurants over the last couple of years, particularly in light of COVID, and what people have learned, what he has learned in the restaurant industry and, and the changing operations. So we're going to get right to it. I think it's going to be a really fun conversation for you all to listen to and a topic that is pretty pertinent to a lot of different businesses up here in Door County as well. So thanks for giving it a listen. JR, thanks for hopping on the podcast today. No problem. I enjoy it. So you're you're dialing in from the Keys. You're much warmer than I am. We are sitting yeah. with about 12 to 18 inches of snow sitting on the ground here on Wednesday afternoon, but at least it's bright and sunny as I'm talking to you. Yeah. I really want to talk to you about some new stuff you got going on with your restaurants, Chives and Behringer's and, and the kind of food truck court you have over here in Bailey's Harbor with the news that uh, a few weeks ago you sent us some information that you're kind of taking on a new concept with the food truck court in Bailey's Harbor where it's not just you having to, to manage every aspect of it. So tell me a little bit about yeah. what you got going on and how this idea came about. You know, I've been in Door County now for, I don't know, six years, seven years, maybe even longer, I'm not sure. But I'm really dialing in on what we need not only me personally, but as a community. And uh, I think some fast service with a little bit of charm is a great thing. And with the whole labor issue and problems, I'm kind of reinventing myself where I'm making it available for people to work for themselves instead of having to find them. And I think given the food trucks that opportunity to people is like you know an awesome thing it also lightens my workload up <laughs> the older i get and gives people opportunities it's just kind of a different thing going on and so how's this model going to work i think what what you guys said is, and you've had food trucks of some sort or another for several years now you had the the pizza truck that used to be outside of the the door county brewing company location you had the chives truck that you would take around and and i particularly remember seeing it when we had it at the beer festival the one year was kind of the, my first memory. And then when COVID hit, you kind of consolidated those to your property in Bailey's Harbor and just kind of parked them on the lawn there and created this yeah. sort of outdoor garden of food. Yeah, the food trucks were kind of my hobby. I thought they were cool and I wanted to build them and have them and I used them for catering, but I was never really sure what role they were going to play. And COVID made me understand the need for fast service, outside dining, something quick and easy, something with a perception of value, not necessarily inexpensive, but definitely a perception of value. You get what you pay for. And it, it just, I don't know, it just kind of blossomed into that. And my goal also was, is now to really create almost an incubator for people 
that understand the cost and price of opportunity. You know, my food trucks are ready to go. I'm not selling the truck and renting the space and doing the business. I'm finding the right person that wants to do a management contract for a percentage. So just like vendors going to stadiums or places like that, they handle everything, but the bottom line is it's the stadium that owns everything, does everything, covers the insurance, covers everything but the cost of goods and the labor. And they do that to control quality, to control aesthetics, to control the offerings so they can offer what they feel should be offered. And I'm kind of doing it that same way by having three separate trucks, one that does pizza. And they, they're not doing beverage. They're not doing that. They're just doing pizza and salads and anything. They can expand on the pizza, but it kind of has to be not in competition with the other venues that I have. Like, I don't want them doing a breakfast pizza to take away from Morning Glory. I don't want them doing sandwiches that take away from the other truck. You just mentioned Morning Glory. So just for the listener's sake, since we're just introducing this, you mentioned them because Morning Glory Restaurant, which most of us long timers up here know is uh, that the diner on the south end of Sturgeon Bay as you go through Neswapi on the highway. And then they opened a second location on 3rd Avenue a couple of years ago. And now they're one of the people who's coming in to do a breakfast food truck for you in Bailey's Harbor, correct? Do I have that all yeah, right for you? that was really exciting. I, I, I always teased my wife that I want a diner. I want a breakfast place. She's like, not until you sell everything. <laughs> and I was like, so, and I wanted to add another food truck. And I kind of combined the two where I'm building a 1920s diner that is basically a food truck. It's just a kitchen. You don't sit in it. But it looks to scale like a 1920s diner with a metal roof and the sides and the windows and everything. Hmm. But people will walk up, get their food, and sit in the property around it. And one of the things that I wanted to do, and this was just as much for Bailey's Harbor or Door County, but specifically Bailey's Harbor, was give a place that had a breakfast. And I don't mean what I do or what, you know the white gold does or Wickman house would do for brunch or anything like that. I mean, an old man breakfast, that's coffee, two eggs, toast and hash browns. Exactly what they do there for that perception of value you get from a food truck. Mm -hmm. And I came to the understanding that if I did it, I'd screw it up because I'd want to add this and use Newski's bacon and, you know, <laughs> just go to town and all of a sudden that 12 to $15 breakfast would turn into a $25 breakfast. <laughs> so I knew I couldn't do it. And I met the couple and had been watching the couple who took over morning glory and they are amazing. German or, and his wife are just phenomenal people. They work hard. They bought it on land contract. They understand the price of opportunity and they understand opportunity is hard to come by. And I think they're just going to knock it out of the park and do exactly what I think needs and what Bailey's Harbor needs. And I, th I think it's a great union. And that in general is what I want to do with the food court. Like I'd love to have, a, and it's the right person. You know, I'm going to operate the pizza thing probably this year, although I talk to other people, but I want to find the right person that wants to come in and do bomb pizzas, work it, be like the pizza of like good eggs, you know, where you mm -hmm. wait in line, you go, you get a pizza, you get this, you use an app. 
I want to find a person that wants to do that. I don't anymore. <laughs> 10 years ago, I did. But I built the machine to do it. I'd like to find the person that would run it. And that would be everything. You know, I, I don't know what you know or listeners know or any of that stuff, but I've over the years opened multiple restaurants and all the restaurants that I've built or opened are still in operation today. And one of the neat things is they're all operated by former employees, whether it was a pizza place I did in Green Bay or a little breakfast place, you know, they might've changed a little bit or changed names, but the facilities that I built are still in operation identical to how I built them. And they're all operated by old employees of mine. Hmm. And I'd love to continue to do that through my food trucks or anything else that I do. I think that there's a lot of people out there that have the drive, have the passion, don't have the means or the support. I'd like to find those people, give them the means and the support as long as they follow our big picture. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty fascinating idea for a business model there because for the longest time, and this is what food trucks present an opportunity for, for restaurateurs. It's not just about like some people could see it as taking advantage of an op of a community sometimes and like, Hey, I'm just going to park my truck here, not pay property taxes, not pay a fee. And then just leech business off of this busy area. There's definitely an yeah. argument against that. But what food trucks can provide and what they've done in some areas is like, you don't have to be uber capitalized or take on massive life risk to try and get a restaurant off the ground. So, and I speak from experience on that side. Even yes and no, but to do a food truck, right. There is a large capital investment. Oh, sure. They're not there cheap. There is a time investment, and there is the opportunity to, you know, lose money. Oh, or for make sure. money. But they're not $1.5 million, you know? Yeah, I get that. But to someone, someone in that position, the $100,000 or $80,000 it takes is $1.5 million, you know? So you have to look at it kind of relative and in their situation it's just as much of a risk or an investment oh, to do it absolutely not not disagreeing with that what i'm saying is they will never have the opportunity to buy that one there's a lot of people who have great ideas who are great chefs and usually if you are you don't have the money yet so then you end up getting yeah. leveraged or over leveraged and in those cases if you have a family you're leveraging your whole family based on this restaurant yeah. and this allows you to build slowly you know, you can get in, you can do a food truck, you can test oh, your concept. And then ideally for some of these people, some people just want to do a food truck, which is great. Some people yeah. want to do this thing, build their concept, show they can run it. Now they can get maybe a traditional loan or something, or they can build some equity yeah. and find that yeah. place versus in my case, you know, trying to be a 16 year old kid and, and leveraging yourself to the hilt was really, I've signed some really dumb land contracts. In my life. <laughs> so, yeah. um, cause there wasn't the idea of a food truck 20 years ago and at least not up here. So it's a pretty interesting concept that can help people get a foot in the door. I think the one, and I'll pat myself on the back a little bit here, but what we've created with the old trucks and on Main Street and Bailey's, I think is, I'm biased, but I think it's aesthetically pleasing. I think it matches our community. And for a food truck operator, you don't have to get into the politics of, oh, can I park here? I can't do this. I can't do that. So you can have something stationary done, 
ready to go. Like a, it's more of a food court mm-hmm. than it is a food truck. Yeah. You know, as much as I push the truck thing, it's not what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm creating a food court at the mall in Bailey's Harbor, but doing it in a way that, you know, is aesthetically pleasing. It reminds me a little bit of a, uh, in Traverse city, there's a place called little feet and it's a court of, in that case, eight or nine food trucks and one main bar. And you kind of have done that with a, the one main bar and a couple of food trucks next to chives. The other thing it does is it creates street life. And, you know, I was, I've been at so many meetings up here in every community short of Fish Creek. Every community has at various points been desperate to create street life and walking traffic and kind of a, a sidewalk yeah. feel. And now most of us have it and now people complain about it, but <laughs> it's like Bailey's Harbor 10 years ago or so when the Pulse office moved over here, Nothing was open half the time, and there was never people walking down the sidewalk. And now it's yeah, pretty I, remarkable. I, I remember that when I started Jives was like yeah. that. There was hardly anything, and and now there's that life. Yeah, it's I great. mean, you know, that new the new park should help with Nelson's gone, and and I think Bailey's Harbor is on the rise. Hopefully, not too much because I live there, but um, <laughs> it, it's. I, I think this is a good mix. I mean, you spend a lot of time in Bailey's Harbor. We've needed a breakfast place ever since. What's the one that got teared down? It's it sort of right before I moved there. Sandpiper. Yeah, ever since the Sandpiper. And I think this is a mini seasonal version of the Sandpiper. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Well, especially with... Now, Heirloom isn't going to be here next year because for the listeners, Sway Brewery is taking over the Heirloom space. And then who knows what the future of Bearded Hard Coffee is. So, yeah, there's still there's a big gap there. The other thing that speaking of the restaurant scene in general, this isn't necessarily applying to the, that food court idea. But I remember one of those first couple of years at Chives, I was up here in the winter when I was living in Chicago and talking to you at the bar there. And you were saying, yeah, I'm thinking of staying open a little longer in the winter this year. And I'm just wondering, do you guys think that's going to, do you think it'll work? Do you think like there's people here? And it's funny how much that changed because I wasn't sure at the time. And now you look at the number of places that can stay open in the winter and actually have a clientele. It's it's oh, yeah. pretty remarkable. And part of that is that. I've actually, this year, I'm redoing my model like at Chives and the food trucks from Memorial Day to Labor Day, it'll be open seven days a week. But the restaurant itself, I've created such a good crew. I don't want to add to them that much. I don't want to take away from them in the winter that we're going to be open five days a week, do brunch on weekends. Every one of my employees that works for me basically is close to full time. They all have vacation and health benefits and we're going to be closed two days a week so they can live a normal life year round. Mm. Um, And I think now's the time to do it. You know, it's funny because I look at Chives has been around long enough and Barringer's too, that when people come to Door County and have been there before, if Chives is on their radar or Barringer's is on their radar of a place they want to eat, they're going to eat there. And I think most people are like that. So we're going to, I don't know how much business we'll lose being closed two days a week, but those same people are going to figure out when to eat there. 
<laughs> you know, in five days. So hopefully it doesn't change too much, but I'm trying to create a year-round place, not only for people to eat at, but to work at. Yeah. Where you don't have to sacrifice your life in the summer to be able to live there year-round. Yeah, and that was something... That's always been a, a dream for people in Door County. And it's not that it's busy. I wouldn't call it busy up here in the winter, but it's busier than it once was to the point where, yeah. you know, and 20 years ago, if you were at working at a, a fine dining place in the winter or even a supper club in the winter, there were nights when you were saying, oh, we're open, but we're serving eight. Like you can't, yeah. you can't justify that. And it's not that. So at least now it's not, it's not that sort of thing. There are multiple places that can be open on a given night in the winter and have enough revenue to justify the cost and maybe make a, a couple of bucks. It's not yeah. the streets are packed and and we're turning everyone away. And there's there's a fine line there between what people want. Like you even said, we don't want, I live in Bayless Harbor. I don't want, want to get too busy, but I want enough business that people can make a living. Like that's the, we want it perfect up here. <laughs> and you want enough businesses open to convenience so you're not like living on homestead rescue in the <laughs> winter time yeah you know you know and i think that's the neatest thing i like that place sip open that i think was awesome and their normal hours year round and mm -hmm. a place to go and get something there's just more and more things opening that can complement each other you know Absolutely. And there's enough people that live to do it, so why not? And that's the population of Northern Door increasing by like 1,500 year-round residents in that last census, like that's making a difference too. Those are people who need services and goods. A good chunk of them are remote workers like my wife, so you, you're getting the, the buyer, but they don't work locally, so you're not getting the producer on the other end of it. So that's where we have a little bit of an employment gap, but in the winter, that's fine. <laughs> we actually, we need that. And I, I truly think part of me, in the perfect model, it would be better and more financially feasible to be open for eight months and close for four. But I think there's a price we pay for living in our community. And if we're going to kill it, all summer long at the expense of the people who live there year round. We should give back by staying open and giving them a place when they have the time to eat out or have the opportunity to eat out without waiting in line. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's some a debt we owe where we live. You know, there's certain seasonal places like I it drives me crazy and I, I you know, if it's a coffee shop or a convenience little item that overcharge in the winter or in the summer and they take advantage of everybody around. And then all of a sudden the business slows down to the point where it's not a hundred percent profitable for them. So uh, we're just going to close. And it's like, I, I, a lot of, I look at that as almost using your community hmm. and not being in an actual community member. Well, and I, that's one reason why I always, even in summer, when all those new places open up, I, I try to like not forget the people who were there for me all winter. And I've always had a lot of respect yeah. for the people who work to build that business, whether it be you know, like Blue Horse and Fish Creek and their dedication to being open year round for so long. And Alexander's and some of these other places that are cornerstone right across the street here. Like you need those places to make that sacrifice in the winter because it serves a community. Husby's, Sister Bay Bowl, those kind of places. I don't even go to them in the summer. I just patronize them in the winter and the off season because I don't want to fight everybody, you know? <laughs> And, you know, and then I'll spend probably more and go out more often in the winter. It's hard to say. I take off for a couple months. I have for the couple of years, but the restaurants are still open and we do everything via email. So, <laughs> you know, while I got you, I also wanted to talk 
We've been meaning to talk about this for a while, actually. And it kind of ties into what you've done with the food trucks. I mean, COVID was awful for so many people in so many ways, 100%. But for a lot of businesses, it forced them to do things that they had been unwilling or unwanting to do for so long, ourselves included here at The Pulse, but especially restaurants. It made a lot of people like finally make changes. Some of that is because there was some money that helped them to make those changes. So in a way, it, it enabled some of that help for small businesses that was never available before. But like what you did, you expanded your patio, you kind of bull rushed something because you're like, how am I going to survive right now? And I think a lot of places in Door County did that, that never had outdoor seating and suddenly realized, who knew? Everybody would love to eat outside in a beautiful place. <laughs> and kind of curious what you thought, where, where it landed for you, because I remember, again, early on talking about this in those first few days of COVID when everyone was like, what is going to happen to us all? And I remember you saying like, yeah, I wonder if anyone's ever going to want to do shared plates again. Like, is that going to be a thing that's gone now or something? But, and it's come back. It, it all comes back faster than we think. But like, what did you learn? What have you seen? We're in a business that we have to adapt. And I mean, whether your fish comes in bad or you have your electricity goes out, you have to figure out how to do what we do. And for years, I've been good at that, whether it's working for the PGA or the NFL or, or going to Africa and open up a bakery. You have to be on point and be ready to make change. And I also think that sometimes a hurricane is a good thing, okay? You know, like, you know, I love the Caribbean and I like going there. And after a big hurricane that wiped out a place I like to go, it was getting kind of dumpy and worn, you know, and it weeded out those that probably shouldn't have been in business and made others think outside the box to do a better job and rebuild. And I think coronavirus did that to Door County hmm. and, and restaurants and everything. Sometimes... There's restaurants and places that have gotten to the point where their building's paid off and they don't really care and they're open for a short period of time and they make their money and they take off and their passion is gone. And I think some places in Door County that happened to during coronavirus. I think the challenge of it made good operators better and made bad operators stand out. Hmm. And and I think everyone who weathered the storm did really well. And it forced them to do things outside their comfort zone or to make things bigger or to rethink the big picture. I think that food service and industry, if I was opening up a restaurant in Door County today and I wanted to move up there and I had a property, I wouldn't open up the same business I opened up 10 years ago hmm. because of labor issues, because of cost per square foot of building everything about it. So whether it's coronavirus, the labor shortage, a hurricane, anything, we have to adapt to the times. And I think that it forced me to adapt and stay an even course. And I stayed hopefully the same, even though it comes back, it doesn't come back the same. Yeah. You know, it's different. And I think that you have to look at the greatest restaurateur in the world, the greatest chef in the world, isn't necessarily going to open up a restaurant and be successful. I feel blessed that I've had a good track record and percentage, but even me, I've opened up a lot. I don't take anything for granted. And I, you got to give it a thousand percent and stand by it and adapt and change, you know? And I think that's what coronavirus did is forced us to adapt and change in a good way, just like a hurricane's a good thing. And I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm not glad it happened, but I'm glad it forced me to make the changes I made that I should have made five years ago. Hmm. Yeah. Cause you look at 
Take your property at Chai's. You have a view of the water. You're on the main drag. You're right on the sidewalk. And yet for years, that building has sat buttoned up in different incarnations, buttoned up and inside, right? And yeah, yeah, let's sit inside and look at the water across the way. And it forced. And I don't know about you. I think it's great the way when you drive down the street, you see people sitting outside. Back to that thing that you were saying, yeah. you know, about wanting a street presence. It really adds a street presence, and that's really cool. Sister Bay, I know people get annoyed at the crowds, but like part of it is the crowds. To some extent, some of the crowds that were always there are now outside more. You know, Sister Bay Bowl used to serve seven hundred people. You just never knew it because they were all inside. Husbys would be packed and they were all inside. For a long time, Husbys was the only place with outdoor seating and it was on a patio overlooking the parking lot. And and I only say that because that's when I owned it. You know, I didn't, like, we weren't thinking differently. And most places weren't throughout the county. And it, you know, it's, it's nice to, to force that change. And honestly, until COVID, there were a lot of towns that made a lot of these great improvements were actually illegal. <laughs> we We had rules on the books that stopped you from doing those things. Like a lot of what happened in Sister Bay that are the most popular things that people like to go and do, whether it be the garage bar, or Stabur, the outdoor seating at the boathouse, the main places people want to be when they go out to, to dine, I'm talking locals and tourists, were not legal to do 20 years ago. And in Bailey's Harbor, some of the things you've done would have been a huge hurdle to get past for so long. And hopefully these towns continue to look at those kind of rules and go, What's the best way to do this without taking away from who we are? But let's not, I know some, even Sturgeon Bay immediately kind of brought the reins back in and Egg, Village of Egg Harbor brought the reins back in. And we, we do have to be willing to not like forget the lessons we learned from COVID. I have to think of that, you know, in our own case at the Pulse here and, and not just going back to our old habits if they weren't the best ways to run the business. Yeah. Well, I wish that there would be more of a sounding of community and business because I think it's a very tough place to do business in Door County because of some zoning issues, some lighting issues. I wish the people would decide what we want to be when we grow up or at least have a mission because, you know, there's some that really go head on and then there's some that stand back and don't want to change when, like I said before, Evolution and changes has to happen. And I, I wish that everyone would address that. Whether it's employee housing or outside dining or parking, you know, I think all those need to be addressed and dealt with in different circumstances, different ways. You know, it can't be cut and dry. This is what it is. Yeah. And, and a lot of our rules are brought into our small towns. And, and we're going off on a, a different tangent here, but I don't mind. Um <laughs> A lot of the rules are brought in because all of our towns are in some ways governed by a state highway. And I say governed purposely because there are rules around a state highway that are set on a statewide or some cases like national guidelines that aren't meant for small towns. It just happens to be that our towns developed around a highway instead of a a road <laughs> and yeah. or a street. So that highway then ends up governing a lot of how our communities look. And you really have to be a, a bulwark with the state to force the issue to get things done that this community needs, not what a 70 mile an hour state highway needs. So yeah. that, that becomes I problematic agree. too. At end of the day, politics always screw everything up, don't they? <laughs> Not that we have to change the conversation. We'll take it in a whole other window. Well, JR, we've gone for half an hour, so I'm going to let you off the hook here, but I I do appreciate you taking some time to to call in and talk about this. I think it's a really interesting concept you have going on with the food 
court. Maybe that's the best word for it rather than saying truck. And I hope it works out well. And I'm just, I'm, I'm a little excited to have a morning glory location closer to us here in Bailey's Harbor and make sure we have some food. But thanks a lot for joining me, man. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Have a good day. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.